0: Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We can finally use the P word. The Golden Knights have clinched their playoff spot. They're one point away from clinching the Pacific Division in their inaugural season. Um, it's been an amazing run. Chris and I are going to break that down. And later in the show, Felix Sicard is going to join us from the Anaheim Calling SB Nation uh, website and podcast. And we'll talk about the Ducks' chances to get in, can they go on a run when they get there, and a whole lot more with Felix. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: What's that? playoffs don't talk about it. playoffs
0: you kidding me playoffs all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to the vegas hockey podcast i had to throw in a little bit a little bit of jim mora for for uh everybody at the start of the year that's what uh everybody was sounding like talking about the vegas golden knights playoffs are you kidding me well lo and behold they've done it i saw an interesting stat this week chris uh in the the knights now have 49 wins in the entire history of the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise, their season high for wins was 47. So in their first season, the Vegas Golden Knights have done something that the Toronto Maple Leafs haven't done in 100 seasons. Uh, I think that that's a nice little ribbon and bow on the uh, on the package. That is the Vegas Golden Knights unbelievable run to the playoffs in their inaugural season Chris uh it's been a long time coming we've been covering this team since before it was a team um what are your thoughts on the Golden Knights
1: yeah I mean it's it's a it's just been a magic awkward right to say the least I thought if uh it was a situation where they were fighting for the playoffs and, and came up short I would have been in you know, the best case scenario but uh especially in the deep west, it's not its not like they've, you know, kind of snuck in because it just wasn't a good enough team. Obviously, they're going to, uh, you know, look like have the second best record in the west. And uh, yeah, it's just been an incredible season now. So, you know, get ready for the second season. And we're going to go over some key factors. We don't know who they're playing yet. Hopefully, uh, we should know when we do next week's show, which we're not sure if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. We're going to try to tail it uh, so if not everything is set, almost everything is set, and especially with the Knights from that standpoint. But, um, so we've got a few things uh, before we go around the NHL I want to kick around here. And for me, the number one factor going into the playoffs is again, who are they going to play? Are they going to get an experienced team, such as uh, Kings uh, or the Blues or are they going to get a young team like the Avalanche? I think that's uh, not that the Avalanche couldn't beat uh, the Knights, but I, I think that's got, that's going to be a big factor to me uh, sizing up that first round matchup. You look at a two-time winning Stanley Cup team such as the Kings. The Ducks have been knocking on the door the last few years. The Blues been in the mix the last few years. So um, you know, Colorado might be in a position of kind of happy to be there kind of thing, but they might at the same token and they, they wouldn't have any pressure or expectations on them. so I, I, that's key number one for me How, how do you look
0: well at let it? me let me uh, let me give you devil's advocate on on those those three um, playoff experience. the knights uh, might surprise some people four hundred and sixty total roster games of playoff experience. there's only three players on their roster that have not played in the playoffs of the national Hockey League. Um, if you take away Marc-Andre Fleury's 115 playoff starts, that still leaves 345 games of playoff experience on the roster. So it's not like this is a team that was put together like the 1980 USA Olympic team that has never played at that level before. Um, all across the board, there's playoff experience. And when you go with James Neal and David Perron, you, you have that leadership. You have the guys that have been there before and all deep, deep runs into the playoffs, and they can guide some of the guys that maybe don't have as much playoff experience as them. Um, in reference to the Kings, they're suiting up nine, ten players every night, four of which are rookies, six of which have were not with the team even as recently as last season. So certainly the Kings core, and, and I'm not bashing my Kings, don't get me wrong, but the certainly the core, Kopitar, who's had an MVP season, Doughty, who may be getting another Norris Trophy, Quick, Carter. Those boys certainly have been to the top of the mountain and, and climbed the highest mountain in 2014, winning three Game 7s on the road to get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, but the the Vegas experience, Marc-Andre Fleury has three Stanley Cup rings, of which no other goalie in the playoff has. So... Um, he is second in the league in goals against uh and second in the league in save percentage, and it's really not that close. Carter Hutton's number one, but he's he's he he was on fire for a while with with St. Louis, but he he's really the backup goalie there. So he's he's got a little limited uh a limited sample size too. Um the Ducks experience, we can talk with this with Felix Licard a little bit later in the show. The Ducks experiences is is all losing big games. Going back to 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015 where they were the division champions in the Pacific Division, they were a first round out, second round out, third round out. They lost two game 7s at home in the Western Conference Finals, one against the Kings and and one against the Blackhawks where they had the Blackhawks eliminated with 2 minutes left in the game and Jonathan Taves is, is at the goal line and just throws a puck at the net and it goes in off off I think it was Gibson skate and ricochets into their own goal. And then they don't even get it to, the, to overtime. They give up a goal in the last minute to lose the series. Um, I think the Ducks' playoff experience isn't anything to write home about. If anything, they're gonna, if stuff starts to go against them, they could start thinking, what, is this, is this happening again? What, what, what's going to happen? I mean, last year they had Nashville on the ropes. Um, I believe they were up a, a game with, with two at home. Um,
1: well, they did, the, they did lose their starting goalie in Game Five. They did, but fair. you've got
0: you've got Nashville against without Ryan Johansson, without Mike Fisher. Yeah, you've got your number yeah. three centerman center first line,
1: nah, and yeah, if if playoff ball, experience. Not that not. What's that? A starting goalie is that? a different animal to me. A starting goalie is a different animal to me than, all due respect to those players that you mentioned. But yeah, but I, that's the points were well taken. Excuse
0: me. You have to, the games are at home. You have to win one of those games to advance. If 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 playoff experience counts, all I see in Anaheim is a is a bunch of losing. And, and to put it bluntly, um, uh, you know that's I I they've choked up a lot of games uh, when they were the favorites and they're supposed to win. And that's just one series. Go back to the Kings series; they were probably the favorites in that series and uh, ended up losing at home five to one, I believe. So I'm not impressed with the Ducks, right. put it that way. Um, actually, if you if you want to look at it, uh, St. Louis has been through the grinder of that central division for years and, and never having been able to get past the Blackhawks or the Kings, actually, in 2012-2014, I think they lost to the Kings. Um, a lot of the times where they got bounced, they lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion, whether it was the Blackhawks or the Kings um if you want to talk playoff experience st louis might might be the, the the team that's been through the grinder and still has a lot of its core players there um and brady schenn has been having a great year for them um and jake allen coming back now and and playing really good hockey st louis might be a team to worry about if they match up and uh, you worry about all anybody they match up against but i i, I think i don't know i'm not you're going to have to show me don't tell me with Anaheim um the Kings will be super tough for sure St. Louis would be super well, tough and a- and uh, w- watching the home and home against Colorado I'm not willing to sell Colorado short either uh, I they might be happy to be there kind of thing like you were saying but um Colorado's a fast physical team too so whoever the Knights face is going to be a tough matchup
1: Yeah and then the next point I want to get to and I'm going to add a little bit to it is you know, the, uh, are the Knights going to face a top goalie like a Jonathan Quick or a Martin Jones in round one? Or are they going to, say, face a uh, uh, Varlamov in Colorado? Uh, and then the Lomov, other thing I is heard. that, you know, what's that?
0: I don't know what his, I don't know what his status is, but Varlamov got barreled over in that shutout win they had last night,
1: which was oh, a big win
0: I, for Colorado. I see that. But, uh, yeah, Jonathan Bernier had to come in. Jonathan Bernier had to come in and finish the game. In fact, they said that it was the first combo shutout where a player had played more than 15 minutes in the backup role in Colorado Avalanche history. So we have to check on Varlamov. It looked like the player barreled into him uh, back first and landed on his left leg, smashing through the crease. And Varlamov had to be helped off the ice. So that that could be a big blow for the Colorado Avalanche, and wouldn't that be a story uh, if say- uh, if if somehow the Kings end up playing Colorado in the playoffs with Bernier in net?
1: Yeah, and another thing I think people have to keep in mind, and I this is why I would put a B. I wouldn't put too much salt—that's the right expression—into uh, the into you know people will on all the different matchups will say, well, during the regular season they face you know, X amount of times, so and maybe one team, you know, did very well against the other. The thing is, depending upon the team, you know, the playoffs are much different. And what I mean by that is, let's take the Kings as for an sure. example. Uh, you know, Drew Dowdy plays a lot of minutes during the regular season. But come to the playoffs, he's going to play 30 minutes a night. So you're, now you're yep. facing, you know, one of the premier defensemen, you know, much more in that game. Same thing for guys like Kopitar. Things for guys like Brett Burns or Victor Hedman in Tampa Bay. You really see it on from a defensive standpoint, you know, if you have a, a number one guy, uh, he's gonna be playing almost half the game if not if not half the game. So that sure. is something to keep an eye out uh keep an eye out for. I think you could see where I'm going with the team I would least likely uh wanna see the knights play in the first round which is your Kings. Uh you're looking at the Kings so but <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but like I said, you know St. Louis Allen played well in the in in the uh, playoffs last year, but Hutton's played well, so it'll be interesting, dynamic how that goes. Gibson's been good in the playoffs, but you know he you know, this is a guy who, and probably unfairly when I say this, who was you know a few years ago the number one prospect in all hockey, and you know with that comes you know when you're the number one prospect in all hockey, you know the there's expectations that you're going to be, at bare minimum, an impact player. And he's been, don't get me wrong, I think he's been a very good player, but he has not been, obviously, an impact player. So, uh, you know, those are, to me, uh, you know, go, and, and, and obviously, as long as he's healthy, uh, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is the number one goalie uh, in his own right, and we, we don't have to list his resume uh, out. But that's a big factor too. choose who's going to be uh, in net, uh, on the team they face and and then just to real jump real quick is specialty teams as you know Mark, these games are usually one goal games, right? Just like the regular season but more so. Three two, yeah. maybe four three, maybe two one. So who who gets who who cashes in on that key power play, be it late second, early third, or who who kills it? Kills and obviously yeah, who the kills
0: season, the important penalty. Yeah, for sure.
1: Right. So Obviously the, the during the regular season the Knights have been real strong in this regard. Uh you know, they have the eighth power play, uh the eleventh penalty kill. So that will be, you know, depending upon who they play, both from uh, their own standpoint of executing and uh you know, that's gonna be a very, very big factor as well, uh in, in the in this series. In this, in their upcoming series.
0: And when uh, I mean when you look at it, the Knights are eighth on the power play and eleventh on the on the penalty kill, which is there's only I think three teams in the playoffs that are top ten in both both, and that's Nashville, Winnipeg, and uh, I think the third was Boston. I have to double check my notes, but um, so there's only there's only three teams whose specialty teams through the re- regular season. Uh, are as e- you know equal to the knights, made, uh, better in Boston and Winnipeg's case. Uh, I think Winnipeg was even like fifth and seventh. So win- I, Winnipeg special teams are fantastic, obviously. Um,
1: and, and so I don't that, think it's a coincidence uh, that all those teams that you mentioned all having big years, including uh, that, I guess,
0: Absolutely, I agree. I that, agree, hundred percent.
1: And then I guess the next thing to consider is the is the playoffs as you know, are going to play a little bit more defensively, a little less wide open, and a little bit more physically. And I know you brought hit home on this point of, you know, during the year that when the Knights get play a team that's a little bit more physical, uh, it, it, those teams have been a little bit more effective uh, against them. And, you know, so how will that play out come the playoffs where physicality definitely does get, uh, you know, it's more defensive and, and more physical for sure. Right, and
0: um, I, I, I was surprised myself looking up some of the, the hit stats and, and stuff like that this week. The the Knights were 19th in the league in in hits and right above them with about a quarter, 0.25 hit, more hits per game. I mean, you think, you think when you think Philly, you think uh, physical hockey team, right? Well, the Knights are, are one quarter of a hit below Philly in the hits category. Um, and also their top two offensive players in in Carlson and Marshall, they're also one and two in plus minus. So that that tells me yes, they're scoring and yes they're offense, but they're also playing two hundred foot hockey. I think there's a it's and it's not a misperception, but maybe overly weighted perception of the Knights being a speed skill finesse team and not, you know, people who haven't watched a whole lot of Golden Knights hockey um, aren't aware of the physical nature that they do bring. Marshall will line you up and run you in the boards. Carlson will throw a hit. Obviously you have McNabb and England on defense who will throw hits uh, very effective hits. And then they bring in Reeves just for that point who I think has settled in uh, on the fourth line better than Tomas Tatar has settled in with the club. Um, we were talking a little bit off the air before we started about Tatar, and in his defense, um, he had a great play last night, uh, recovered the puck, circled around, set up a tic-tac-toe goal. Um, but he's been on all three different lines with nine different line mates. The injury to Riley Smith coming off of the Marsha Show Carlson line, um he's played that top line the last two games but he started out playing the third line with Eakin and Tuck then uh Piran was out for a little bit so he played a little bit with Halla and Neil but Neil was out I mean t- I think that once Smith comes back and you can put the top line together and then once Piran is back um you put the second line together then you have that third line with with and Tuck and Tatar, I think he'll settle in at that point and become a little bit more comfortable with his line mates, a little bit more chemistry, and become a little bit more effective um, with the club as we go through the last weekend into the playoffs. Um, but I, I think they're learning right now what it's like to play against desperate teams. They're two one and two in their last five, but Flurry is four one and one with a one point four two goals against and a nine. Forty save percentage in the last five games that he has played. So Flurry is playing very good hockey going into this. Um, I'll be the first to say if Flurry's out, then so goes the Knights. Uh, I, I'm Suban's a good backup, but I don't think that they're going to ride him to the to the promised land, if you know what I mean. Um,
1: yeah, I think
0: I think I think they're learning right now. And the the, the game last night against St. Louis. Um, I think in the last game against Winnipeg, and, and there's one other team I'm forgetting, but they're learning right now about desperate hockey teams and how to play that style as a group. Um, we we noted earlier that they do have playoff experience on the roster, but playing together as a group and learning those things is a different story as well. And I think they're answering the question, um, if, not, if they're not going to dominate teams like the Kings, Winnipeg, uh, Anaheim, physically but i think as we go into it they're going to be able to hold their own i really do
1: yeah no doubt um so just uh again we'll go into a deep dive next week because uh, we'll know uh by then who they're playing uh and no one's saying i hope i'm not giving the impression that i think the knights are gonna you know lose in four games but i think what i'm saying is uh it's going to be a tough series, uh, no matter who they play. Whoever it is. Series.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: yeah, I th- I, and I think it's going to be kind of a coin flip series, but I think I'm going to be able to say that probably about six of the first eight first round matchups. So let's just do a quick kick because Felix is going to be calling in in about 10 minutes. Hit some things real quick. I mean, the Bruins, again, beat Tampa during the week. They're, the, the mm-hmm. Tampa took back first place last night, but only one point up on the Bruins, my friend, but the Bruins have two games in hand. And I believe there's one more matchup with them. And and the last time we came on air 20 minutes ago, the Bruins were up 2-1 after one over Florida. Um, Some other news about the Bruins real quick. Chara signs a one-year extension with them. I thought that was a good move all around for everybody. And this is a huge game for Florida. Uh, You know, they had a tough week this week. Uh, they lost in Toronto, 4-3 in regulation. Understood, understandable. And then, But the next night, they lose in Ottawa in overtime. So, the, you know, we talk about the, the games in hand they had on the Devils. Well, they're down to one game in hand on the Devils, and they're three points back. And now the Devils are playing the Islanders at home tonight. So when the Devils hit the ice, they'll know what Florida has done. So if Florida loses that game today in regulation, again, I don't know the uh, current score,
2: I'm three to and one Devils now. Take
1: business at, oh boy! And if the Devils take business yeah. at home, you could be looking at a five-point spread. In fact, the Devils have a chance to finish in the top three in the Metro because I think they have a game in hand on Pittsburgh and Philly. I mean, Columbus doesn't lose anymore. That maybe they could edge out one of those teams. So, how do you see? I mean, we got a lot in play with all those different teams from uh, you know the Tampa and Boston for the Atlantic to the Wild Card and maybe the Devils pushing. Either Philly or Pittsburgh to the wild card, and if you know again, watch out if Pittsburgh gets pushed to the wild card, my friend, they can wind up playing Washington the first round. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again, I'm sure Washington Uh would be thrilled. (laughs) <laughs>
0: As th- uh, just a little less thrilled than Columbus might be if they end up playing. If it if it ended right now, it'd be Columbus and Pitt again, and Columbus got to be shaking their heads. Um, they're only one point back, so maybe if Columbus can pass Pittsburgh and, and take the uh, home ice for that series, it, may, it might write a different tale. Um, I, I don't know. Last week I said I thought that Florida was going to go ahead and make it in, but that Ottawa loss, I watched most of that game. It's it's they had a couple unfortunate plays, but that team was there to play. Um, I think, and I, I hate to say it, but they still have game in hand over New Jersey. They're not going to catch Philly. Um, ugh, it's it's going to be tough. Their last game of the season is a makeup game against Boston on, on Sunday of next week. I do If it gets to that game and they have to win to get in, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be able to extend
1: it. The game may not mean anything to the Bruins, though. So if that's the case, they're going to probably rightfully so. But I'll give you one more thing. Uh, Now, they do have these extra games in hand. I believe they might have two games in hand on Philly and Pittsburgh. Now, granted, there are six points back of them. But what comes with that is the season ends next Sunday, Okay. So uh, that's that's basically that's nine days. Counting today, there are nine days left in the season. Okay, the Panthers have six games in nine days. I mean that is a. That I, uh, I mean I know. Counting today, with their game yeah, okay. today, they, right. they, they have six games in nine days. A lot of days. hockey. And there's and I think and there's some to facts, in there right? too yeah well it has to be they i think they're only off yeah. uh yeah they're yeah they're only off a couple of days obviously so um you know that's you know i know the body is you know the mind is willing but I, at a certain point the body may not and if if they're going to have to basically go five and one in that stretch uh that's not going to be easy um from that standpoint so Um, And, you know, for my my money, most of the teams I've been watching outside of Calgary, who just seems to lay an egg every night, even the teams that are struggling to win, uh, I'll give you a case of points like the Islanders last night. Uh, You know, the Islanders lost to Toronto. But they made Toronto work their tails off. And they came back, tied the game late, and then Toronto scored very late in the third. But my point being is, you know, I don't see, you know, a lot of people have been talking, writing articles, and I guess they're doing it because the sake of writing articles, of changing the lottery system. I don't see really a lot of teams laying down. I mean, you know, Arizona's playing, mm-hmm. like, in playoffs. Yeah, they, and they, they've been, you know, even, you know, Ottawa the other night, Beach, Florida, who have been, been red hot. Um, you, you know, but, I mean, the Flames have just flamed out. I mean, I know they have some injuries and stuff, but every night they're losing, like, Five nothing, five one. Yeah. Uh, I know their season's over, and it's a huge disappointment. And trust me, since the Islanders have their first and second round picks this year, I'm not complaining about it. But out, outside, <laughs> you know, even Chicago, you know, I know they had a bad game against Colorado, but mm. uh, you know they had a they had a, a nice win the over the Jets the game before at home. So yeah, did you see that too? Where
0: the uh... The emergency backup had to come in for uh, Chicago to finish that game. The the 36-year-old accountant shows up and and shuts out, I think it was Winnipeg, for 14 minutes of play in the third period. Uh, Two goalies making their NHL debut due to injuries to the Stahlberg pregame. Obviously Crawford's out. So uh, their first goalie goes down cramped up, and then the the I'm gonna say kid, he's thirty six years old, makes his NHL debut against Winnipeg and stops stops seven shots and, and completes
1: yes,
0: completes the game. Not a bad story, huh?
1: Yeah, and in addition with the Ducks, when we have Felix come on in a couple of minutes, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this race. You know, basically it's a game of musical chairs. Dallas the season is now over. What a disappointment. I mean basically yeah. in a nutshell real quick on Dallas is they had a subpar October, and then from yeah. November to February, they were probably one of the top five or six teams in hockey. And then yeah. March came around. They couldn't win a game. They just couldn't win a game.
0: Could not win a game.
1: I, I think no. they 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 had a game last Sunday night. I want to say when they were still alive at home against Vancouver, uh, and they lost four one. I mean, like
0: yeah, another I, team I just can't happen. Mailed it in, thanks. Right.
1: Exactly. Another team that has a, that has a, ma- a mailed it in. So, um, you know, basically, L.A., Anaheim, St. Louis, and Colorado. It's a game of musical chairs. Uh, one t- team will Every be without day, a chair. And, and a huge game tomorrow, which we'll talk about with Felix Sicard, and that is tomorrow night at the Duck Pond, Colorado comes in. Now, Colorado only has four games left. Actually, St. Louis has a game... I, the Kings have only yeah, three do. games left, and Correct. Colorado and Anaheim have four games left, and St. Louis has five games left. So, but mm-hmm. Colorado at Anaheim tomorrow. I mean, if you're St. Louis or LA, all you want is you want that game to end in regulation. So, you know, you're not. Well, LA had their points, chance
0: last so. night and and lost in Anaheim in overtime. So, I, disappointing for Kings fans. They went in. They were up one nothing on a Drew Doughty goal and um, never scored again. Anaheim, you know, that was a huge. You know, Anaheim's going back to back with huge games with playoff implications. They already dispatched the Kings, and although the Kings did get a point, um, but now yeah, now Colorado, those two teams
1: probably were when they woke up this morning. They weren't thrilled. I mean that you know both teams got points. I mean you know granted the Kings only got right. one, but that's that's not uh, even St. Louis last night losing, but they got a point. They got they got some yeah. out of it. So uh, uh, big big you know again Kings at ninety four, Anaheim at ninety three, St. Louis at ninety two, and so is Colorado. If the season were to end today. Uh, Uh, According to NHL.com, St. Louis would get in. Although I don't know, I I don't think that's considering the ROW. I don't know what the ROW is. They might be doing that based on the Blues have a game in hand on Colorado. So that is St. Louis has uh,
0: St. Louis has forty ROWs. Colorado has forty regulation wins, and Anaheim has
1: thirty-six. Yeah,
0: Anaheim. The Anaheim
1: ROW is brutal. Yeah, that they, 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 yeah. if it comes down to ROW with Anaheim, they're out. I mean they they, they, they so in that case, sure. them tying somebody is, is not good. They have to finish one point ahead. So uh that's something to keep in mind. They can't finish in a tie with somebody because that's the first tiebreaker. And they're gonna they lose to everybody and there's not enough season left for them to catch uh any of those three other teams. Uh-uh. No. So, and there's
0: one other big game yeah, in the so Pacific that, Division tonight, sir. Uh, with one point against San Jose, uh, Vegas clinches the Pacific Division. I just want to make sure we get that out. Um, I, I know where I'm going to be tonight. so.
1: Well, San Jose, Jose only needs a couple points. They probably only need a couple points. Do they need probably just one more win to get to 100 points to clinch at yes. least the two spot, which would give them home Correct. Race. I'm. I'm gonna tell you right now. i will give you a little preview. I, I, I'm feeling. I like the Sharks going into these playoffs. I, I said that a few. I said that back at the trade deadline. I said if they can get in, I think they can be dangerous, and they've played very good hockey since then.
0: Yep. This and Evander Kane. My, my, like you said, my buddy Evander Kane. He's been nothing short of spectacular since joining the Sharks. Um, I saw a stat. He's got like nine goals and 14 assists since joining him in f- 14 games since the trade deadline. So, um, you know, good, I'm never going to root against a player good for him for getting out there and, and, and making a difference. Um, everyone knows what his history is. And a lot of people in Winnipeg weren't happy with him. And a lot of people in Buffalo weren't happy with him. Um, but good for him to get out there and, and make a difference for the San Jose sharks. Well, joining us now. I see Felix Sicard is is on the line, ready to talk a little bit of Ducks hockey. Felix, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for coming back and taking your time on this Saturday to talk with us after a huge win against the L.A. Kings last night.
2: Yeah, guys, thank you so much for having me back. I know it's been a while. I've missed you guys, but uh, I'm happy to be here and talk some hockey and specifically some uh, some Ducks hockey after tonight's kind of wild ride. Or, sorry, last night's that- wild ride
0: absolutely absolutely and another big game with playoff implications coming up tomorrow night against colorado we were just looking at a couple of the schedules down the road um felix is a writer and also podcaster with the sb nation page anaheim calling so if you want to check out any ducks content felix does a great job for sb nation go over and check that out uh so what let me let me just get started right away what's your gut feeling with the uh the four teams St. Louis has has impressed, jumping back into this fray here. Uh, as of this morning, they are in the playoffs as wild card number two. Anaheim's in as number one with 93 points, but also kicking down the door against the Kings. That one point the Kings got last night saved them from falling into the wild card spot. Um, what's your gut feeling? Is it, we we know at the start of the season this this team was wrecked with injuries, and we all were saying at the time that if they can just hang around until everybody gets – hang around until everybody gets back, <clears throat> excuse me, and they've done that. Is, is there enough left in the tank to finish this thing off next week and grab a playoff spot? Let's start with that. What do you think?
2: Oh, man, that's, that's the million-dollar question that, um, that I, I – it's so hard to say. I mean, I go back and forth on this almost every day. I think they're in. I think that especially last night was huge Big for game. them. I think that if you if you look at the news coming out I think just minutes ago about Semyon Barlamov being basically done for the Colorado Avalanche yeah. and then Eric Johnson Eric Johnson also being done, I think that oh. they do it, although go go ahead, sir.
0: No, no, you finished. I, I was just talking to Chris about the Varlamov thing. He didn't even see the, uh, the play where he got run into last night, and then we were saying if, that, if he's out, then they're going to have to ride Bernie. I had not heard about Eric Johnson. So go ahead and finish your thought.
2: Yeah, well, so to my point here, I think that, I think that hurts the Avalanche more in the long term than the short term. I still think they, they have their key guys, and certainly Varlamov and Johnson are a part of that. But they still have that line of McKinnon intact. And I still, you know, for this final push, I still think they got enough left in the tank to, you know, to, to, to push for a spot. Obviously, that hill just got a lot steeper to climb. But I think the Ducks make it. I think for them, though, the big key, the big key for the Ducks is finishing as the first wild card spot. I think that that's really the end game here because I think finishing as the third seed in the Pacific is not a very enviable position if you look at the way that the San Jose Sharks have been playing. And then if you finish as the last wild card, then you have to play most likely the Nashville Predators, which I don't think anyone wants to do in round one. So no. yeah, I think for the Ducks right now, that the, the big goal is just to finish as a, the first wild card spot.
0: And that being said, I think you're saying that Vegas would be, the, out of the possible matchups between Sharks, Vegas, and nashville vegas would would match up least favorably against the ducks is what i'm hearing you say
2: well you know it's it's interesting because i i was very high on vegas especially from around january to or let's say december to february but lately i I don't know i've been watching more of their games and I've, i've noticed a little bit of a dip um and i'm i'm still i'm still high on them i i think that you know, if we're talking Vegas, you know, I think the odds makers would still have them as the favorite in just about any series they're going to play in the first round. That being said, I think that the Sharks are just such a, such a machine right now. And especially with the Vander Kane, like I I heard you guys talking about it before and I totally agree. I think that he's such a difference maker for them. And I think that the style that they play is tough. That being said, look, Vegas is no slouch and the Ducks would certainly have a hard time matching their speed as we've seen throughout the regular season in their matchups.
0: Well, I, th- I think the big key for the Vegas from that perspective is getting Riley Smith back healthy. He's a big part of their top scoring line and we've seen uh, Alex Tuck and the newcomer Tomas Tatar trying to fill those shoes. But Riley Smith is such a he brings a physical element to that first line, and he is a 200-foot player, and he scores some big goals for that team. So their lineup in the last couple weeks has been all over the place. At one point, Ron, Neal, Schmidt, uh, Riley Smith were all down with injuries, and then we saw Mark andre Fleury miss a game. So I think the key to the Vegas thing is just they need to get healthy. <coughs> Excuse me. We, we know, or at least we feel like they can get one more point in their last four games, and take the Pacific Division, but I, I think then you've got to start resting guys and get people healthy. And for Vegas fans, Riley Smith has been skating uh, before practice and, and at the pregame skates, so the plan is right now to rest him, maybe get him into that last game against Calgary, just to get his sea legs back under him, and he should be good to go for the playoffs. Um, that being said, <coughs> if, if they do draw Vegas, and if Anaheim does uh, upset the Vegas Golden Knights, is there enough on this team to make a run? You mentioned that nobody wants to play Nashville. Your second-round opponent would be either San Jose or L.A. if they stay in that wild-card spot. Um, can Anaheim return to the Western Conference Finals, which I think would be the third time in four years? Um, you
2: know, it's. I think that, again, I'm going to kind of default to this. I don't think unless they play the kings in the second round i just don't think they're going to be favored in any round that they play that being said i do think that anytime you have john gibson in the net who to me i think is the is the worthy vesna uh front runner right now although i mean i'm assuming pecorine is going to win it that's to be determined but i i think that with Gibson in net, you have a chance in every game. You have more than a chance. And then with the top line of Brian Getzlaff, Ricard Raquel, and Corey Perry, there's enough top-end talent on the Anaheim lineup that they could win any series. You know, it, it's they're not they're not going to be favorites in any series. They could win any series, but I, I guess I'm a bit more skeptical that they can go three rounds this year than I have in the past. But you you can just never count them out. They're I would, I would classify them as a tough out right now for any team that's that's playing against them. But I don't know, I don't know if I'd bet on them to to go, you know, to the Western Conference Final.
0: All right. Well, let me bring in
2: Chris.
0: Uh, Chris, go ahead for Felix.
1: Hey, Felix, great to talk to you again. So uh, the Ducks have four games left. The biggest of all of them, arguably, is tomorrow night at home against those Colorado Avalanche. If they can win that game, especially if they can win in regulation, you've got to like their chances getting in after, wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they win that game, that, that's a huge gut punch to the Colorado Avalanche, and it's also – it kind of solidifies their spot. I've kind of been defaulting to this for a couple weeks. I, although the possibility exists that they miss the playoffs, I think they've got a softer schedule. Their last game of the season is against Arizona – tail end of a back to back so that certainly affects it but I think for them the big the big key is where they end up I think that they want to I think they want to end up in that first wild card spot as opposed to any other spot I think they'd rather play Vegas than they would the Sharks or the Predators now Felix you've kind of you kind of indicated that you think that it looks
1: positive that the Tucks going to get in and, you know, you feel like they're going to be a top-out and maybe they can win a series. But it's, you know, you know, if you were, you know, gun to your head, you would probably are saying that they're not going to get as far as they, as they have in past years. So it brings up a couple of questions that, that you know, they're actually with going a little bit backwards, if you will. So the question is, has, the, one, the window... Is the window closed, or is it severely closing on this tugs team to get to the Stanley Cup Finals? And two, uh, is there any chance that the GM and the coach could be in
2: jeopardy uh,
1: depending upon how this uh, season finishes?
2: Well, yeah, I I think that that's the more appropriate question. I think that that's the better way to look at it. I mean, obviously this season is still – Something that we have to account for. I think this season, though, I think that the way everything shook out, if you look at their at their relative lack of activity at the deadline, I think that internally they view the season as a bit of playing with house money. I don't think that they really view the season as going for it. I think that they have the asset, with with their prospect pool, with the likes of Sam Steele, Josh Mahura, Max Jones, to name a few. Troy Terry, who's now in the lineup. I think that they know down the road they have stuff in the pipeline coming. I think that if they really believe that this season they were, let's say, an Evander Kane away or a Max Pacioretty away from, uh, you know, true Cup contention, I think they would. I they had the assets to pull the trigger and they did it. And to me, that's really telling as far as their 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 own self assessment. I don't think the window is necessarily closed. I think the window of being an overwhelming favorite. To come out of the Western Conference. I don't know if they were really ever truly there, but I think that that, I think that, that ship has sailed a bit. I still think they have the top-end talent, like I said, to, for that possibility to exist. I just think that if you look at this year's roster, you know, Ryan Kessler is right now skating with a surgically repaired hip and just has not looked the same. He had a good game last night, and I still think that he's, he can be good on any given night, but he's just not the same, and without that line of him, Silverberg, and Cogliano going, then you're you're really relying on the line of Adam Henrique, Nick Ritchie, and Andre Kasha to get it done. And those are good players, but that's not really, I think, ideally the role for them. And then you've got a fourth line that plays about five minutes a night under Randy Carl, and you're not getting anything from there. So you're really asking the get-flap line to get it all done for you. And I just think if you look at all the other playoff teams in the West, the contenders, you know, even a the, even the team like the Vegas Golden Knights, there's not really a line maybe outside of the, the fourth line that you could point to and say that's an obvious weakness. Predators, same thing. Sharks, same thing. So I guess that's kind of why I'm a bit skeptical of the of this current iteration of the Ducks team. I, I think that they have enough prospects in the pipeline to where in the next coming years they'll be able to kind of reload on the fly and supplement Getzlaff and Kessler and Perry. But as of right now, I think this year they're more playing with house money.
1: So we got one more for you, Felix, before we let you go, and it's a non-Ducks question. Now, I happen, have been talking with Felix on the NHL on the Ice podcast in the past with Alan Z and, and such, so I've gotten to know Felix a little bit. Uh, you know, Felix is an unbelievable hockey guy, independent, calls it like he sees it, but his weakness, like my weakness is, is the Islanders, as Russ Cohen likes to say, I have orange and blue sunglasses. Felix is a die-hard Montreal Canadiens fan. And, and Felix, just to keep it to this one question, because we could probably do a two- or three-hour podcast on the Canadians alone. But Mm. do they make make a change at the GM spot? Because, to me, that's, like, the key, right? That's going to be the architect to the team and how they move forward, you know, and and are they going to... You know, be in it for now because they have, you know, uh, they have Shea Weber and Carey Price. Uh, and if they try to make a run at Tavares, or, or are they going to trade a match patch ready, You know, the, so where do you get the sense in terms of the Canadians in, in terms of uh, uh, their GM, their beaten up GM? Are they finally going to make a change there?
2: How do, How do you see that playing out? Oh man, I was in a great mood, and now all of a sudden you bring up the Canadians. Um,
0: he, the, he went and did it.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you got a top draft pick coming. This uh, maybe the ping pong balls. Yeah. Know? Hey, look, I'm, I'm, d- I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm looking at the draft lottery odds every day. Uh, just praying. Just, well, look, but the Canadians, I think that it's so hard to get a read on them because Jeff Molson recently was asked about Mark Bergevin and his job security, and he didn't really give any type of indication that he might, that Bergevin might be on his way out. And that's Jeff Molson, the owner of the team. You know, that being said, how much can you really read into that? Is he just playing coy? Had they even talked about it yet? I, I think one thing that is telling is that at the trade deadline with so many guys that they could have traded, Especially with Max Pacioretty, the fact that they did not make any type of franchise-altering moves—you know, all the trades that they did make—it was kind of offloading, you know, obvious trades like the Placanets trade, for example, offloading some money. And Placanets may even be back next year. But I think that I would, I would be surprised if Bergeron comes back next year. I just, and I'm saying this as a fan who fully expects him to be back because that's just the way this thing has gone. But I, I just, right. I think he's I think he's run out of rope. I just don't know. Every move, every big move that he's made, he's swung and missed on. I mean, you look at the Subban for yeah. Weber deal. I understand Weber's been hurt this year, but you can't look at that one as a win. So, I don't think he comes Surge back. Sergeyev for
0: Drew in. Right? That's not a yeah, win. And,
2: and, 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 oh. <laughs> That's yeah, not a win. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I'm still, I'm still optimistic on Drew in. I think he was miscast from the very beginning. But I, yeah, I, nice I like it. their young – yeah, I like their young core. I think they've got some nice pieces. Um, but the problem is they've got these big contracts with Weber and Price, and what do you do? you know? Because if you're going to do a rebuild, it's kind of strange to have these two guys around. So I don't know. I, I think what they're going to try to do is reload on the fly and try to make it work. Because, honestly, if you have a Carey Price and a Shea Weber – you know why not try to go for it, and you know you've got the young talent. So we'll see. It kind of depends what happens at the draft, but my gut feeling is that they they try to make it work for next season. I hope that they try to make it work because I think it wouldn't be the smartest thing to trade Pacioretty. I think they can come back next year and still be a good team. There's enough to like on this roster, so I'm optimistic. If you if you can believe that.
0: <laughs> All right, Felix. Well, thank you for your time, sir. We will be definitely keeping in touch with you as as we get towards the end of the season. And if the Ducks make the playoffs, we're going to have to have a, a playoff preview show. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch and have you back on. Great work, as always. Everybody, you can follow Felix Sicard on Twitter for links to all of his content at Felix underscore Sicard S-I-C-A-R-D, for all of his Ducks content there at the SB Nation site. Anaheim calling. Sir, thank you again, and we'll be watching for you down the road.
2: Yeah guys, thank you so much for having me on. And I gotta say, I think two years ago was the last time I was on and yeah. there was no Vegas hockey there was no Vegas hockey team then. So congratulations yeah. on getting your team and keeping this thing going.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks,
2: Felix. We kind of definitely right. have you back on. Definitely sure. Thanks guys. Alright guys, see ya. <laughs> oh, Felix's that oh, was tremendous today.
0: Absolutely. He can't be two years in the making before we talk to him again for sure.
1: No, we, we well, that's gonna him back going to wrap up
0: on. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I got to got to run, Chris. So uh, everybody, you can follow our stuff on the iTunes Apple Podcast button, Blog Talk Radio, Grandstand Sports Net Network, uh, Rush Cohen Sportsology page. We usually get our show over to him in the middle of the week, and he's got a lot of other good stuff on there as well. So go check out his SoundCloud page, Sportsology, um, and then of, of course iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, anywhere podcasts are captured and heard, you will find the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you go to Eye on Isles for all of Chris's year-end uh, articles on his beloved Islanders. Uh, and, and I'm sure he'll be dropping uh, what the Islanders do in the offseason and, and look, draft look ahead for the Islanders and all kind of content on that for the Islanders fans listening. Chris is one of the best covering that team. Um, that's why we love him here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast. So, Chris, thank you again, sir. Any last any last thoughts for the week?
1: No, looking forward to next week, and everyone keep keep uh, keep look we'll keep a lookout. We'll probably by the end of the week we'll announce if we're doing a show next Saturday as usual, or might be a special Sunday uh, show next week, depending upon how things stack up.
0: All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Stay. Pay attention to the Twitter page at Vegas Hockey Pod, and we'll do scheduling scheduling release sometime Wednesday, Thursday, when we know a little bit more about what's going on in the playoffs. The bottom ends are changing every single day in both conferences, so uh, if they're not set in stone, pretty much by Saturday, we'll go ahead and push it off till Sunday. But until then, for Chris on Mark, and we're gone.